0: great scott the great scott show and as they head into the final furlong all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the great scott show the champion with scott Prater, steal the show
1: Give me all you got Friday on The Great Scott Show. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! Unfortunately for the 76ers fans, James Harden did anything but that. My goodness. I mean, oof, oof, sheesh. What was that? What was that? NBA last night, Miami eliminates Philadelphia. And afterwards, Joel Embiid. One one thing I appreciate about Embiid is he always just... He tells it like it is. He'll say what's on his mind. You might not like it. Sometimes it might come off the wrong way. But I enjoy it better than your typical coach speak. And I get he's not a coach, but you understand the phrase, right? Right? See, when Philly acquired Harden at the trade deadline for Ben Simmons, a lot of folks said, hey, this is a win-win for both teams. It's good deal. Well, Simmons didn't play. Now he's having back surgery, and Simmons scored as many points in the second half of the Brooklyn's last game of the playoffs that James Harden did. I scored as many points as Harden did, in the, uh, two less points as Harden did in the second half. what 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 did he put up a donut James Harden took two shots in the second half two James Harden two minutes or rather three minutes into the game didn't take another two-point field goal didn't attempt another two-point field goal the rest of the way 306 into the game 3.06 into the game, he took his last two-point field goal attempt and for the rest of the game just kind of hung out. Beyond the arc, took some threes, finished with 11 points. Joel Embiid said that they did not get the version of James Harden that won the NBA's Most Valuable Player Award and finished top three in the voting three other times. He simply said, yeah, we didn't get that guy. We just all were not aggressive enough. Now, I'll give Embiid a little bit of a pass here, considering his face is broken and half of his body is shot. Philly didn't play great basketball in games five and six, and the Heat ran them off the court because that's what the Heat do. You can get annoyed by the phrase Heat culture. It's real. It's real. The sign of a great franchise is one that's consistently good even when they have roster turnover. They've won three NBA championships. They've been to an NBA Finals with another team that, looking at them right now, I'm not picking them to get out of the East. I I still think Milwaukee's that team. But my goodness, Miami, again, there's some dogs. When Harden was asked if he was going to opt into the final year of his contract, he responded, I'll be here. Well, I guess so when you're set to make $47.6 million next season. It ain't a team option, it's a player option. Of course Harden is locking into that. Are you kidding? I'll be here. Hey, would you take less money? Whatever allows us to continue to grow and get better and do the things necessary to win and compete at a high level. No, he's not taking less money. Are you crazy? See, Philly isn't a bad team. They're just stuck in neutral. They have been eliminated in the conference semifinals constantly. The one exception was when they were in the bubble, and I think they got swept in the first round. The bubble is just weird. You look back to the previous seasons, Losing five games in the conference semis. The next year, losing seven games in the conference semis. Was that, that was uh, what, the 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 famous Kawhi shot. Next year's the bubble. Next year, losing the conference semis. This year, in seven games. This year, losing the conference semis in six games. In the closeout game against the Hawks last year, I mean, at least Ben Simmons had 13 boards and 11 assists. Like, what was that from James Harden last night? What was that? 11 points? 11 points. Holy cow. That was bad. Then on the other side of it, you have the Suns who are starting to... I don't know, man. Maybe they're just... Am I wrong to think they're still going to win Game 7 after that last night? Dallas, I mean, Lucas' legend continues to grow. They didn't just beat the Suns. They beat the brakes off of them. But this is a home court type of series. Phoenix gets them. But now you're in a situation in a Game 7 where if you have an off night, Devin Booker was 0-4 from beyond the arc. He was 6-17 of from the field. Chris Paul finished with 13 points. I mean, they other than DeAndre Ayton, no one really played well for Phoenix, and then you have Luka going off for 33, and when he goes off, guys like Jalen Brunson, Reggie Bullock, they start playing at a higher level, but again, Jalen Brunson, Reggie Bullock. I mean, are these guys you're scared of? Dwight Powell, the starting center. Dorian Finney-Smith. With respect to these guys, are any of these guys scaring you in a game seven? Which highlights the point, it's Luka. It's Luka's show. If Luka just has one of those games where he doesn't miss, and he missed a lot last night. He was still great. He is one of those games where he doesn't miss and suddenly Dallas upsets Phoenix in game seven. What, what does that do to Phoenix? And what does that do to Dallas moving forward? They, they, do they feel like Portland did when they got to the conference finals and got swept by Golden State and tell themselves, man, we're not that far off. We got this far. Or are they honest with themselves and say, man, we got Luka, but we need we need to add a lot of help here. Game seven will be interesting. But they're back in Phoenix, and it you know, it feels like one of those games where Phoenix will advance, but are they going to run out of gas? Boston-Milwaukee tonight. Milwaukee tries to close it out. Golden State hosts Memphis tonight. Golden State tries to close it out. Sunday, Dallas and Phoenix will play. Maybe Boston-Milwaukee will see if necessary. Um, if Boston-Milwaukee have a Game 7, that one will air right here on ESPN Lafayette Sunday. If they don't, and it's only Dallas and Phoenix, that one will hear, air uh, on ESPN Lafayette on Sunday. I mean, what, again, Donchitz has played 22 playoff games in four seasons. He is early in his playoff career. Younger players usually don't do the kind of things that he's doing. He's averaging 32.5 points, 9.3 rebounds, 8.5 assists per game. It's Just sick. Absolutely sick. Raging Cajun softball yesterday morning. Just getting it done. Just getting it done. It was early on, and you realize, oh, yeah, Troy doesn't have a shot here. They don't have a shot. Ten different players had at least one hit. It only took Sam Landry 64 pitches. She faced only five over the minimum. They've won 11 in a row. They've won 20 of their last 21. And now they play Texas State in the final game of the winner's bracket. And if you take care of business today then you're in the championship game tomorrow. It's taking care of business. Trojans got on the board early. They were feeling confident, and the Cajuns were like, nah, we're just going to score nine-on-answer. Just get out of here early. Let everybody go home. 10 a.m., 9.45 pregame this morning. Coming up on today's show, Gus Katnigal, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, scheduled to join me here in a couple of minutes We'll talk about the Saints schedule, which was released yesterday along with the rest of the NFL. We had every single game by 9.15. So much for the NFL having their big schedule release broadcast at 7 o'clock. Yeah, I would say every fan base knew exactly what their schedule was way beforehand. We'll dig into that. Brad Topham's going to come on at 8.15. We'll talk a little Diamond Sports, a little UL baseball, LSU baseball with him. We'll have some open phone lines between Gus and Brad. It's a give me all you got Friday. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. On the great Scott show, don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sport. Coulda, shoulda, and woulda. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? They
0: all play here. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions. I'm no down.
1: ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app.
2: Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch The Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now back to more of The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather.
1: Into the Great Scott Show, we got Gus Catengel waiting on hold for the Pro Nola segment. Got time for it? Let's take one quick phone call. No, the caller is now gone, so we'll get right to it. My man Gus is on with me. He scored as many fourth quarter points as uh, James Harden has in his last two fourth quarters. Um, took two second half shots. You know, the last moment last night when Harden took a attempted at a two point field goal from inside the arc. What was that? Three minutes and six seconds into the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, talk Crazy. about afterwards. He just said, ah, oh, you know, the ball just didn't find me. Yeah. That's what you want in a yeah. closeout game from a guy. That's about to get 47.6 yeah. million. Holy cow. No, philly has got some but, problems. Do you, you do that, and Scott? You know Tim Legler. I mean, you, you I have, have to. It's in. not their. It's not their choice. It's not a. It's a player option. It's not a team option. So it's like, right? No. What are you going to do? You're right.
0: You're, you're right. You're right. Uh, trade him. <laughs> I don't know who wants him, but who's giving that guy? I love it because afterwards, um, he was asked, you know, at the podium, uh, you, you clarify your in and he's like, "Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Said, of course, I'm back."
1: I'll be here, as we um, said. Nope, I'll nope. be here.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be here. Uh, I'll tell you, how, how, di- what, how different can two, I want to be here, I will be here, comments be Zion a couple Fridays ago with three weeks today, huh, Scott? Uh, You know I want to be here. I can't sign an extension fast enough, and the happiness that I think that fan base, the Pels fan base feels, as opposed to James Hart, well, I'll be here, and they go, oh, no. Right? <laughs> it's, it's crazy when you think of the contrast, but you know, it's crazy. I, I go back, and I'm watching that, and after the game, you know, that it gets brought up about how he hadn't shot. And, dude, I had horrible flashbacks to that game. Pelican Spurs, right? Remember, Chris Paul was picking a spot. And, uh, was it Pelican Spurs? It was one of those. It was one of the last ones he was here where he just didn't shoot.
1: Hornets, Lakers you know, game it, six, I think. That's yeah. it.
0: That's it. Yeah. And, that yeah, it was the end. It was the end. And I remember, you know, sitting there going, dude, like you have to want to take over and and do that. You know, it's strange. You know, I can understand what I'm watching with the sons and Maz right now, his age and all that other stuff. But back then I probably felt like a 76ers fan feels like today. What it, it can't be an excuse. And, you know, I mentioned it right when you were talking a little bit ago about Tim Legler on Scott Van Pelt last night broke down. Um, two plays in particular in the fourth quarter where he just, he didn't do what he's supposed to do. He couldn't get past players. He lazily just didn't get the spacing and and had two turnovers, didn't chase down one of those turnovers that turned out to be a dunk in the fourth quarter that made it a 14-point game, in the closeout game. Just, it's things like that, that, man, in, in today's world where, you're struggling economy wise. You're struggling all these other things, and as you said, this guy's going to get forty-seven million. And you put out that kind of effort in that city, Scott. Dude, I go you know once a year at least when Tulane plays Temple. They believe Rocky Balboa is a real player, like I mean, you know, like a real person, like that. That city, you know, lives and dies almost kind of like we do in New Orleans with our teams, but times 10 and you get that kind of i can't even imagine what the shows are going to be like today Uh, and
1: then and then you've got a guy on the other side in jimmy butler that is the epitome of everything philly loves and used to be there and then they just didn't pay him because they're like no we we got we got to pay other guys and jimmy is doing i mean he's Again, uh, Miami the most disrespected team in the postseason. The one seed, he culture, really is, he culture is real. Um, it matters. It's it's worth something. And I think uh, you know Jimmy was only in Philly for one year, and then he's off to to Miami, where he has, you know got him into one finals, and then now he's got him in another conference finals, and we'll see where they go next. But uh, afterwards, Joel Embiid giving Jimmy Butler praise and. You know, pointing out that his team just didn't, you know, very bluntly talking about hard and others that just weren't aggressive, didn't do what they were supposed to do. And you could say, well, Embiid, you know, 20 points and a lose Embiid's out there with a, with a broken face and half a broken body. So I'm not going to, yeah. I'm not going to grill him on that, but that, and then, you know, Luca's legend last night, continuing to grow with a dominant win, even though Phoenix got trucked, I still I, see, I still think they'll, they'll win Game 7 on Sunday because it's just been a home court type of series. But, you know, from this point on, man, I, I don't know. The NBA playoffs, Miami advances, the first team to advance to the conference finals. Can Golden State do it tonight? I mean, they're at home probably. How do they respond to getting beat down the way they did? It just, it's mm-hmm. it's, it's been fun, man. It's been a fun postseason. The storylines are, are um, you got plenty of them, right? They're ripe. Right. They're ample, and after tonight, man, maybe Milwaukee and Golden State. Maybe I said Golden Milwaukee punched their ticket to the conference finals tonight. Before Golden State potentially can, Milwaukee's at home, um, but Boston and Memphis are feisty, man. I, you, you see the effort those teams, you know, put out whenever everything's on the line. You just didn't see that last night from Philly. Whenever their season was on the line, you didn't see it. Yeah,
0: you have a lot of finger pointing. You know, one of the things that I've been talking about this week, not on our show, is. How incredible it is to actually being in the position where we are um, here in New Orleans with uh, the football team, dude, and the basketball team. Where I'm not used to this, you know. Um, when you, when you look at teams around the league in <laughs> the NFL, they're, they're literally banking on hope and promise. And I know you and I will get into it, obviously, as rookie mini camp begins today. But you know, for weeks, I, I, I'm more I feel like a man of faith, dude. You know, not to compare myself to that higher calling, but. Scott, I feel like a man of faith. I'm the one trying to convince everybody the Saints are good. But I feel in a good place in that, you know, you're just sitting there hoping that players can perform and are healthy and stuff. I'm watching some of these other teams, and, you know, I played a uh, a bite from a guy, David Kaplan, I think, ESPN 1000, in Chicago earlier this week, and he's literally, you know, going with Embrace the Suck about the Bears so they can tank. They got 150 in cap space. And they can, you know, draft Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or do whatever it in trade that pick I mean, Like that's where they are. You know what I'm sitting there? I'm like, it must be things aren't in that spot, you know, the Pelicans aren't in that spot. Pelicans have fans calling Scott this week and last week and they're like, "Stand Pat, you know, or minimum moves or keep the, the pick and draft this or that, like accentuate your team. And along the lines of what you're saying, you're hearing. You know, people in Philly and players, just everybody's pointing a finger. You got Ox yesterday at the game, clearly is in save my job mode, don't blame me. Um, you know, he's like, we have to overhaul the roster. Harden's like, I'll be here. And then, you know, Embiid's like, we got to play harder. I mean, and that's stuff that tells fans used to hear. And it's just, it's a good place to sort of be. But to your point about the playoffs, They've been real interesting series, you know. It's like almost feel like the Suns, which I was rooting for for Chris Paul and Monty to get a title. It's almost like they've become unlikable um, in the last two rounds, whether it's with Chris or Devin. I don't know. They they just there's something missing, something off. I don't know if it's an injury. I don't know if it's an attitude. I don't know what it is. Um, And I got to say, I, I I feel like maybe the team that wins the East. That's a really good shot at winning. Look, Milwaukee is showing championship heart. It's hard to not root for Giannis, isn't it? And in Drew Holiday's performance two days ago, Scott, was legendary. I mean, the guy had two steals in 10 seconds to to win the game. I mean, there's no, you know, his play helped. No, he won the game with two defensive plays in 10 seconds and hit a game tying three. Like I and and that team came back down 14. They just won't quit and they're without one of their top players. It just it's been real fun watching this postseason Scott, from that perspective, you know.
1: Gus Kangels Saints and Pelicans correspondent our guest. Saints schedule yesterday. Let's dig right into it. Uh NFL schedules came out, Saints schedule, all of it was leaked by 9:15 yesterday morning. So it didn't take long, um, man. I mean, what's what's your first takeaway when you look at it?
0: First takeaway, Scott, is again. I kind of felt like I had to go into and a faith mode here. Uh, I I love. I think if I'm the saint, overall, the first thing that stopped it, that popped in my mind is, I think you couldn't have gotten a better start to your schedule. And what I mean by that is, you know, and we've talked about the the best way to get into the postseason scott easiest is to win your division i mean that's a guaranteed way right win your division you're in um seeding and all that depends on your record but if you win your division you're a playoff team and when i look at that start of that game i'm fully aware that atlanta drafted eighth they got drake london they got a new quarterback in Mariota. i i get it you know and kyle pitts you know is that I, I i get all of that um I think the Saints have a better roster than the Falcons from top to bottom. The Panthers have no identity, don't know what they're doing. Sure, maybe McCaffrey may play, maybe he won't. But the last time they were in Carolina, the team had no coaching staff, and after they figured it out at halftime, they only scored once on that team. I think roster top to bottom, I'm going to take the Saints. Tampa Bay is a team that, you know, you're going to hear obviously between now and then that has been beaten the Saints with Tom Brady in the regular season. Sure. I heard yesterday people calling my intern just on the show. Well, they're going to circle this day. Well, why aren't you if you're the Saints? Because if you take care of business in Atlanta and I think you can win in Carolina, you have an opportunity to go 3-0 and in your division. Like I... I'm not saying there are, and I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but you know the opponent, you know their rosters, you know what they're doing, but there's familiarity. You got 121 days as of today to get ready for the Pigeons. I mean, it, there's no excuse. You better win in Atlanta, and you come home to open up the season against Tampa. James is going to play the team that knocked him out for the year. You know we get amped up for the Bucks. And I would rather play them in that first week or two, like you have in the past. You know, at the very least, that game should be a four-quarter game. So, you 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 are guaranteed, I think, three games. Again, I understand, barring injuries and barring all this stuff and suspensions. You know, what well, Marcus May play? Is Alvin Kamara? Can I get that? But if we're just looking at everybody. Even Stevens, you got a shot. And I think that's all you would want. You're not facing the Ravens or the Bengals or teams that you don't see, and there's not familiarity. And, you know, it's harder to kind of game plan for. You're not doing that after London. You, you're, you get a chance to start the year with three division opponents, and you can at least go 2 and one 3-0, and oh, and get a, a leg up, really, on, on the division. And I just, to me, that's what really stood out from the get-go, that if I'm I'm the Saints. So I'm Dennis Allen. I mean, I am harping on that. I'm 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 putting three and O everywhere because you do that. That's that's a heck of a start because the rest of the schedule. I I don't think you know you have your gauntlet here and there, but that that's the first thing that stands out to me.
1: ESPN Lafayette. I I've heard a lot of fans. Agonizing over the schedule, saying it's really hard. Let's let's get the disclaimer out of the way. There are going to be some teams that are good that we think are going to be bad, and vice versa. Sure. Right? It, it's you, you kind of look at the win of it, and and then you kind of prognosticate. Okay, how how good is this team going to be? I I agree with you about the early part of the schedule. Um, you get Marcus Mariota out of the gate that's that you you get Atlanta out of the gate. On one hand, you know, I talk trash about Atlanta 365, so there's uh there's a little bit of nerves that comes with opening against Atlanta and the Saints historically have not played well against Atlanta when they play in week 1. Uh 1 and 8 all time. Um uh, but look, you're playing Mariota, you're playing Sam Darnold, you're playing Kirk Cousins in London and Kirk is he's he's better than the other two I mentioned, but he's also I call him the Times New Roman font of quarterbacks. He's just basic, right? Yeah, you you, you probably type a paper with it, but there's not going to be any sizzle about it or anything like that. It's going to disappoint at times. There's going to be forgettable at times. Then you got Seattle, um, and it's either Drew Locke or Geno Smith. For a, for, a, for a Saints team whose identity is no longer – Drew Brees in offense. It is based more on the defensive side of the ball, defense, special teams. And not to say you don't have playmakers on offense, obviously Kamara Thomas. I I know that, but, but you get my drift. It's the identity of this team is different now. And having those kind of quarterbacks early now, week two, obviously you have Brady saints have done well against Brady. Brady hasn't traditionally played great in the dome. They did get the playoff win a few years ago, but even in that game, he wasn't lighting them up. The point is I'm with you about the start. Now, there's some obvious things that you're not crazy about, right? You don't like that, you know, you, you have to go to London for a home game. And you don't like that you have to travel for the Thursday game. It's hard to win on a short week. You don't like that you have to travel after a Monday night but uh, to, to Pittsburgh. But there's a lot of things to like about it. The start of the schedule, then after your Monday night game against the Bucks in December, that's when your bye week comes. Getting a bye week after a Monday night game is great. Oh man, but they're playing at Cleveland and Philly on New on Christmas Eve and, and it's gonna be freezing there. Yeah, it's probably gonna be really cool. Guess what? Is this Saints team identity that of a a dome team that wants to air it all out all over the place? No, it's different now. Cold weather games don't mean the same thing they might have meant, you know, ten years ago for this club. So there's some there's there's a really tough stretch on it, right? I mean, Ravens, Steelers, Rams, Niners, Bucks, I get it. But I, I don't know, man. I, I There's a lot of grinding of teeth from Saints fans about how terribly tough the schedule is. And no one's going to have the perfect schedule. No one. But I, I'm with you as far as the start of it goes. If, if you could have a bye really early in the season or really late in the season, I think you would prefer to have it late. Obviously, you'd love to have it right in the middle. But having a bye after a Monday night game is good. I mean, am I am I crazy to think that the schedule isn't as as awful as so many Saints fans seem to be pointed it out to be?
0: No, I I don't. Like I said, I, I look at it, and again, I just look at the teams that they have, and maybe, and you know me for years, man. Um, I am not that guy. I am not the blind Homer person. I just I, I look at this roster like I did last year, and you remember I told you last year, Mike, this is what LSU was two seasons ago. Just you know. Enjoy the game. Sit back and see what you have. What's your foundation? And then uh, we'll get them next year. You know, I just, I, I didn't think last year you had a lot of question marks and things of that nature. Now, I know what I just said. And you could also go back and be like, well, Gus, there's a ton of question marks here. Who's, who's the starting left tackle? How healthy is Michael Thomas? How healthy is Jameis Winfield? Look, you can apply that to everybody. I mean, the Denver Broncos were Super Bowl favorites on. Wednesday, Thursday, Jerry Judy gets arrested for domestic violence. He's going to be gone a couple of games, right? So, I mean, you can apply that fear of injury, fear of suspension to any and every team in the league. Any and every team. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs have a daunting schedule. They don't have Tyreek Hill. They lost some players, Tyron Matthew as well. You know, so... Everyone has questions, everyone, and you can have this hope and, and promise, but again, it has to be decided on the field, and I get that. I just look at the Saints team, and it's the reason why, Scott, before Tom Brady announced he was coming back, and before the draft, and before free agency, I told you I thought the Saints could win the division. I'm just seeing what's coming back. And, you know, one of the reasons I think we're so excited about the Hells and one of the things that you said is continuity, knowing that you have a roster coming back and talking to people from the team since the season ended. That's what they keep bringing up, right? Is That, hey, you at least kind of know what, what you got. And, 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 and it's essentially a good chunk of the roster that can get together and work out and quote, unquote, go to the lab. And they know each other. You're not having to worry about all of that. To your point, when you bring up the Falcons, look, I think Mariota, is a guy that can probably run the offense. That's probably what they want in Atlanta. Don't turn it over. Um, obviously, Pitts is good. Look, Drake London's the number one receiver. So it's a good pick. I get it. But that's literally their first NFL game together, playing in an environment against a team that's your division rival. And I'm not saying they can't play well. And it's going to probably throw some wrinkles because I get that. But the Saints aren't playing their first full game with a completely new roster or something. I mean, Jameis Winston knows the offense now in year three and will hopefully have some snaps with Michael Thomas, who, again, this isn't a rookie where I I look at, you know, how is he going to handle the game? Can he run the routes? Does he know the offense? The guy knows it. If he's healthy, he should be able to perform. And, you know, as I mentioned in the past, this is a guy that – you know, and Michael Thomas, when he wasn't healthy, the last time we saw him play, Scott, he caught eleven passes twice when Taysom Hill was your quarterback. You know, what I so I mean, I I I got so much of that yesterday. Well, you know, I, what what kind of Michael Thomas we're going to get? Is he invested? Is he what? What gives you the idea that he's not? What gives you the idea that he's not going to be healthy or or do those things? Um, and then yesterday, I don't know if you saw Scott, you know. He saw um, Jameis Winston on the NFL Network during the schedule release. Uh, You know, he he was asked, hey, how how healthy you how do you feel? He goes, you know, to Mariucci, coach, if you ask me to to get in there and strap on a helmet and play right now. I mean, we saw a quarterback last year play in the Super Bowl who suffered a, you know, gruesome knee injury and had surgery. So in Joe Burrow, we saw this draft, a team, you know, draft Jameis and Williams. I guarantee you he's not running routes right now. He just suffered a knee injury during the uh, the national championship game. So, I, I you know, I, I get there's some question marks, and I get, um, you know, there there's, hey, is this guy healthy or can this guy play and all? But I just I look at the roster that this team has, and if again, barring ridiculous things that happen like they did last year where you played a game with an intramural team, like you did against the dolphins and you play games where you don't have an entire coaching staff, essentially like you did against the Panthers last year. And you play a game where you literally don't have your tackles. I mean, they played a game last year, Scott, as you remember, where their starting right tackles showed up to the dome to get fitted for gear on game day. I, I if they don't do that. And they still almost made the playoff. That team is a playoff caliber roster. So, you know, this fear will, will Jameis? you know, the guy didn't throw 14 picks and two touchdowns last year. He threw 14 touchdowns and two picks. Um, I, I just, I, I just look at that roster. I look at, the schedule, and I look at who they are, and it's a team that I think should be able to compete, and I think that's all you want, right? And that's what I'm getting at. Can the Saints, on a given date, against a given team, compete? Can they show up to the stadium and compete? And when I look at that roster, whether it's the Ravens, whether it's the Seahawks, the whole bird you know, thing that they're facing, and, and all these different teams, can they just compete? And I, I, I don't see many games where I'm like, ah, that's an L. You know, I think at the very least they can compete. If a team that they're picking to be a Super Bowl contender in Tampa Bay is a team that can't beat you in the regular season or has had trouble beating you in the regular season, then I, then I feel good. I, I guess that's what I'm saying is can this team week in and week out have a chance to win? I think the answer is yes. If that's the case, then that is no different to me than when you had Drew and when you had Sean. In that, you have a chance every game when you show up to the dome to see a team win. You have a chance every day when you watch them play on TV on the road to win a game. And you made a great point, and it's one I made yesterday on the show. This isn't a team in cold weather games now where, you know, they air it out and everything because of Drew Brees and the declining of his arm. The last two, three years, even going into Jameis's last year, this is a team that throws the football 20 yards and in. They'll take a shot or two, but this isn't the team that bears it out 40, 45 times a game. So, again, they're sort of built for that, and I think that's a great point
1: you bring up. ESPN had best ticket in sports, Gus Caggill, our guest. Pro Nola segment, breaking down the Saints' schedule. Most critical stretch, week 11, 12, 13, Rams, Niners, bucks all three teams going to be in the mix in the NFC. I think at that point in the season, you know whether you're legit or not. A few other things that stand out, and then we can move on to something else. The league's view of the team. Most boards right now have the Saints at 7.5 for the win total. Three primetime games. One is the Thursday night game that everyone gets. The other two are Monday night games. No scheduled Sunday night game right now. Teams can start being flexed after week five to different games in terms of network uh, Sunday games. And then for primetime games, it's a little bit later in the season. Point is, in the past, you've seen the Saints have at least one Sunday night game already scheduled usually multiple they they sometimes have five or six they had a they had a lot of primetime games scheduled last year they were in a lot of the afternoon games right you don't have that america's game of the week time slot you don't have as many primetime games as you had the tv partners that work with the nfl to pay them billions upon billions they have a say in it and the league has a say in it and they work together and i think you look at the saints primetime schedule and the game of the week type schedule As far as that afternoon slot goes, um, things are subject to change with the flex. I get it, but I think it's pretty telling. I mean, you got 10 games at noon, two are listed at TBD, and I don't mind the noon games. I actually prefer them for the record, personally. But I, I think it tells you a lot about how the league is viewing the Saints right now. They're not viewing them as a team that they think is going to be a big player in the NFC, and they're not viewing them as a team that they think... You know, national audiences are going are going to want to see as much as they used to. That that's one thing that stood out to me as well when looking at the schedule. I Think you're on mute, there, Hoss. Yeah, no,
0: I, I no, yeah, I got you. Um, so, I, I, look, it is it is telling, but you know, you don't have Drew, you don't have Sean.
1: I get it, I and, get it. I'm not saying I, you know, I'm not saying yeah, what, what's I going say on. I, honestly, I get it.
0: No, and look, and quite honestly, um, you know, you always have a section of the um, fan base, you know, where it, you know you, you feel the disrespect or whatever, and I'm fine with that. Quite honestly, I think this team enjoys the underdog disrespect. Can't you know? I've seen it already on social media. Whether obviously, it's he does feel disrespected every day. Michael Thomas does as well. So, look, I love it. I I think this team sort of along the lines of what I've been saying, feels more confident about themselves um, for for whatever reason. And, you know, I gave you a couple why I think they should feel confident about themselves than anybody else. And I don't think they really kind of need to have to have that praise or chatter and all that. And quite honestly, this team probably plays better uh, when they don't. So when I look at it from that perspective, man, um, that's fine. Go ahead and, you know, get to it play and and uh, let that happen let everybody else you know uh, kind of lay that praise and all that other aspect of it but look man you've seen teams that can either handle it and they can't um, and I just I, I get a sense and a feel from this team that they they enjoy the whole you know nobody's kind of picking us to do this and that and quite honestly that that's fine go go give all that praise to Tampa, or you know, have the pressure be on Carolina, Matt Rule, and HR. I, I don't think the Saints, you know, have that, Scott, to be honest with you. I, I just, um, I think there's expectations to be better than they were last year and just to play, but I almost think because Jameis got hurt and because he's a new coach, that there's almost kind of like, well, you know, let's sort of see. I, I, I would argue it's not like Breeze's last year where it was Super Bowl or bust and you felt that weight. Even I did, right? Of, um, uh, you know, they have to win all these games. Like it wasn't where they're going to win this or win that it, you know, can they win 13? It was with seed. Like you were already thinking seeding. We were looking at the schedule um, two years ago when we Scott, I mean, you and I were probably talking on a Friday, talking specifically. Okay. You've got to get the one or two. Do I look at the schedule and think I can get the one or two seed at the very minimum you have to host. I mean, that's where you were a couple of years ago. I don't think that's where we are just yet, but, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I understand it fully and quite honestly, um, let's get back to kind of, you know, getting to where they were. And I, I think a lot of Saints fans don't mind that that new kickoff, you know,
1: ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports, Gus Kattengill, our guest, uh, Gus, before we let you run, uh, Pelicans NBA draft lottery. They, they, They've got something on the line. They've got that Lakers pick unless it falls outside of the top 10. And there's a 99.6% chance that it does not. Uh, I like those odds. There's a, you know, more, better than a, a 25% chance it's in the top four. Um, top four, eight, or nine. I mean, where where is uh, Gus's lucky rabbit's foot? Uh, what are you predicting? And... Um, You know, what's the interest level you think going to be once the Pels know exactly where that draft position is going to be? Because you and I talked about it on your show. I think if you're the Pelicans, you Mm -hmm. keep that pick no matter where it is. Eight, nine, ten, one, two, three, four. You keep it. You trust in your department, which did a knockout job last year. This roster is about to get really expensive between McCullum, between B.I., between Zion and an extension um you look at JV salary you need guys on those rookie deals that are contributors which you have with the three rookies from a season ago and which you need to get in this class so I'm I'm all on board with keeping it but where are you at with the pick will your opinion be swayed one way or another whether they should keep it or not based on where it falls and where do you think ultimately it's going to fall
0: yeah, he brought up our conversation on Wednesday. And, you know, how I feel Scott's very simple. I keep it. I keep it no matter what. I keep it whether it's eight or nine, which is that, that likely scenario, you can fall back. But, again, four, I think three or four teams is what Daniel Salas and the Pels Radio Network said to me earlier in the week that needs to jump you. So the chances are you're going to be eight or nine bare minimum. And you have a 26% chance of um, getting to – one through four and that's kind of, I I think, you know what? There's just so many good vibes going on. Um, what about that? Huh? Can you imagine if they can, you know, get that one through four, because if that's the case, dude, I'm going to throw a party, especially if they somehow get to the two, they can get the two. I know everyone's like, Oh, get the one. I'm like, get me two, get me two and I can get Ivy, the point guard shooting guard, or I can get, um, you know, oh, I can get the you know, Jabari Smith. So, whoever, whoever's available, I too, I, I'm good. Either of those two guys, oh my goodness, uh, you just made your your, your team better. And, and like you said, the other aspect of it too, Scott, is that you have, you know, decisions to be made coming up. And then you also have, like you said, um, money, you know, and you got three players that you're going to be tied up 30 or, or more in Zion, Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum. So those players right there you know, are going to do a big portion of that. As you mentioned to, to me when you came on, on on Wednesday, Larry Johnson, you got a couple other guys that you maybe want to attack. I know some Pels players are up get Josh Hart. So I would probably expect this team, especially if it's a shooting guard, point guard, or something of that nature, maybe they trade Kyra Lewis. Maybe they trade Jackson Hayes. They, they, there's so many options. The good thing about it is it's options that are positive, you know, it's not like you're sitting there going and they better get one or two or they need to do this or how are they going to even compete and all this. That's not where the PELs are, man. It's crazy that they're actually in a very good spot and, you know, where we were a year ago, we're in a different spot now where I would have thought, not even a year ago, two, three months ago, you know, where you're like, hey, you're probably hoping for that Lakers take so you can then use it as an asset to go get a veteran, go get a veteran point guard, go get a veteran shooter and all that. And I now think that would be a terrible mistake. You got a guy in Zion Williamson. It's essentially everything that you're kind of looking for a score, a rebounder, perhaps a defender if he's in better shape, um, which I think he can be because we saw it at Duke. He's a guy that brought the ball up the court. So that's another ball handler for you. He's on your roster already. So I, I think it's, you know, I'll, I'll listen to a phone call or two if I get the one, two, three, or four. But quite honestly, at one, two, three, or four, I can get somebody that can develop. Call it the Trey Murphy scenario where I don't need him to be the leader on this team. I don't need him to be the guy that plaster on a franchise side of the arena. I need them to develop, get better, learn this roster, and come off the bench and make this team better because I like to think that Brandon Ingram, C.J. McCollum, and um, Zion Williamson are going to play all 82 games. Scott, you know, they're not. So I, I'm completely fine with doing all of that and, and getting a player that is going to help you, you know, from, um next season.
1: ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Gus Cangale has been our guest. Gus, I appreciate you taking the time in, as always, every Friday. Give him a follow, guys, on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven. And uh, next week, we'll know where the Pels are drafting. We'll be in the conference finals. And, you know, uh, maybe some Saints rookies will sign deals. We'll have plenty to talk about, as always. But appreciate you taking the time on this Friday morning. All the best, and uh, have a great weekend.
0: Scott, all the best for you as well. And all I know is this. I look forward to breaking down Chris Alave photos. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, Trevor penning stances. We will break down, you know, clearly, even though there's no one in front of him, the photo just shows his hands out, hand placement. What are you, a pancake? The No, I'm kidding. No, I am. I'm, look, I'm excited, dude. I Like I said, it's been a while where you legitimately have Good, good, good reason to have faith and hope for both franchises. Does that make sense? Not just dumb, blind faith and hope that they get better. Like, I think legitimately it's going to be a fun fall into spring next year. I I really do believe that.
1: October is going to be great, for sure. I appreciate (laughs) it, my friend, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Scott. That is Gus Cattengale, ESPN 100.3 in new orleans this is the great scott show we got brad topham coming up at 8 15 we'll talk a little ul and lsu baseball ul softball victorious yesterday 9-1 over troy coach glasgow after the game big smiles for him happy guy cajuns two wins away from another tournament championship here's coach glasgow after yesterday's game
2: she Mike's does it. she's licorice. She, ever, she handed hands me licorice and drugs to back all the time I will get her.
1: Are <laughs> <laughs> <The tukers? laughs> you serious? She talks to and drops it away. Old and
2: old just mean. Oh <laughs> people. Text yeah.
1: Coach. Coach Glasgow making jokes about opposing coaches, teasing them with candy. Now we'll get into the actual Q&A. We'll just make an opening statement. Then we'll
2: take questions. Um, really proud of our ball club. Proud of the way they came out today. Uh, biggest thing they're just playing as a team so well right now Uh, I think we got all every single position player in again today Uh, that's my goal Um, every day right now because they're just playing well and uh, uh, trying to keep everybody involved and you look at our offense I look down through there and I can see if I no matter who I look at I see I can think of something immediately they do better than somebody else or anybody else on the ball club and so we're really in a good place as a team right now. And so it showed today, and I'm proud of that. I was really proud of Sam's performance on the, on the mound. I thought she'd come out in her first tournament game, first postseason game at Louisiana, and pitched how we expect her to pitch. I thought she set the tone in that first inning, really give us a great first inning. Uh, extremely proud of Raina. She did it again today, two for two, three RBIs. Um, a big hit there to keep the momentum going our way. And then just great to have Raina back with her veteran leadership and uh, you know one of our captains. And everybody looks up to her, and it just really helped us to have her back out on the field. Uh, throughout the lineup, up and down, they just kept hitting the ball, kept hitting the ball. And we were able to get uh, Piscos out with her injured knee. Uh, we were able to get her rest. Mayu, always proud of her. She steps from second to behind the plate, doesn't miss a beat. Let's, uh, let's a freshman pinch hit four, positive in the dugout, as always. Just special, special team right now with a bunch of special players, and they're they're really playing really well.
1: Raina, Yeah, Raina, what's it like to be a leader from what it was to what it is now? Kind of, you're the veteran leading a bunch of youngsters. That is one Dave Schultz asking the question there to Raina O'Neill about being the veteran now leading the youngsters. Honestly, it's fun. Everyone looks to me for help sometimes, and I enjoy that. And they're, everyone's really enthusiastic and they're ready to play, so I'm always here to give advice.
0: me what was working?
2: Uh, I felt like, honestly today, like everything was working, which like allowed it to be one of my better days uh, pitching. Uh, I was able to establish my job and then establish my rise later in the game, which kind of threw him off balance. And then my changeup, um, we, threw, we threw like a good amount of changeups, but I would say, honestly, it was a lot less than I'm used to throwing because uh, you could tell they were sitting on it. So that was an adjustment to pitching like fast, like fast through the zone instead of off my changeup. Um, but I feel like I adjusted pretty well to it, and uh, the screw was just jamming them inside.
1: That is Sam Landry, who was great yesterday in the circle few more from yesterday's post-game press conference. Then we will get on with it. The 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show. Right, you had the lead, but it's still you know, still anybody's game when you came up you know, and had the home run. How you know, how did you approach that at bat? And, you know, what, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what happened on that play. What did you hit? <laughs> um, we're pretty prepared knowing uh, what each pitcher throws. So we have our little chart that lets us know what we're going to get. And I just read that and had a talk with the batter before and went from there. So I figured I was going to get something inside. So I was just making
2: sure that I got direction for it. It's
1: Great to see Raina O'Neill out there uh, in the lineup, healthy enough to get going, and she was great. Three RBI, homered for the third time since she returned from her injury back on April 29th, and just having her back in the lineup here as of late has been big for a Louisiana team that they are 67-9 all-time in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They're undefeated in tournament games played in Mobile, and they're hoping to continue that trend this morning, 10 a.m. against Texas State, 945 pregame. And then Louisiana, uh, if they fall today, will still have a chance to win two tomorrow to win it. They had played 11, and then in the championship game, if they win that, they win today, they move on. scheduled start time tomorrow. Sunbelt Conference Championship game could start a little later depending on how long the first game goes, but they've got enough time spread out between the games that um, probably will start at 2.30 tomorrow, but time will tell. In the meantime, the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show on a Gimme All You Got Friday. Gimme All You Got! Gimme All You Got! Continues right after this. Luca the legend, Harden's vanishing act. Brad Topham on to talk some UL and LSU baseball Open phone lines as well. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this.